Thanks for joining us at elevationbillings.com. Today we're hearing from Pastor Dave Carroll as he preaches in this sermon series, Rescue Mission. Hey, how many of you are grateful that Jesus Christ has rescued you in the room this morning? We're beginning a brand new series entitled Rescue Mission. And the heartbeat of this is to equip you, to challenge you, and encourage you in the area of sharing your faith, also known sometimes as personal evangelism. So for the balance of May, we're going to help fire you up to soak the flame of sharing your faith because we believe that there is no greater hope in this world than Jesus Christ. And when you have Jesus Christ, you realize he's the hope. And so we have to get out and share uh, this message. And and I'll tell you why we're in it. Uh, I was listening to a couple seminars on how to help a church our size uh, continue to reach people, how to, how to avoid shrinking in and becoming a club. And as I was listening to this message, I was hit right between the eyes in the area of personal evangelism. You know, we can do church uh, really well. We can have amazing praise and worship. Aren't you grateful for the worship team and the job they do? Can we appreciate them? Uh, we, can, we can have awesome small groups. We can have a great first impressions. Hey, we have people out there, you may not even know this, but there are people out there on a security team who are, who are watching out for your safety as you sit in worship right now. And they don't get to participate in the worship oftentimes. We have an amazing kids ministry downstairs. And we could do all of this. And if we forget the personal responsibility to share our faith in Jesus Christ, you know what will happen to our church? We'll turn inward. We'll spend more time talking to people we know, even at church, out in the 10-minute party. Uh, we, we'll start to shrink back and we'll just be the church that had a great start and it will be finished. But that's not the kind of church God has called us to be. He has called us to be a church that is on a rescue mission. And I hope you're turned to Acts chapter 26. But before we get there, um, I want to give you the visual. You may or may not realize this, but when you came to Christ, it's almost like you got kicked out of a helicopter. Uh, so I've talked to a few people who have, who have been skydiving before, and I really, really, uh, I think you guys are brave. I don't know if I would ever skydive. I don't know if the parachute could hold this up. You know what I'm saying? But when, when you got saved, you got kicked out of the helicopter. And, and, and when, when you get kicked out of the helicopter, you were kicked out on a rescue mission. Uh, it is no longer about you. It is about God using you to see other people come to saving faith in Christ and become his disciple. Now, when you're in the air, you may not realize this because I'm going to get bet that most of you have not been skydiving before, but some of you can. But as I was watching video, I discovered that you can move around in the air when you're skydiving. You can choose to go to the left or to the right. I watched this really cool video where a team realized that one guy's parachute wouldn't deploy. And he started to panic and, and got in the wrong position. The team recognized this. And they had it on a GoPro video. Aren't those things cool? Uh, they had, they had their, the team began to swim in the air over to meet this person and make sure that this person was, was going to fall safely on the ground. And, and so you can move around. And as, as you move around in this Christian life, you come to faith in Christ, um, you're looking down at the ground, and God has, has a certain mission for your life. In other words, there are people that he wants you to influence for the cause of Christ, to, to not shy away from, and you have to aim for them. But there are other aims that kind of get in the way. Uh, if you talk, think about most people's true testimony and story, it sounds something like this. Um, 
before they came to Christ, they were doing bad stuff. Let's just call it bad stuff, right? Let's not air out the dirty laundry. They come to Christ. They're on fire for about three, four, five, six months, maybe the awesome ones for about a year. And then it kind of dies down. The embers get cold. And then they just kind of say, well, yeah, I did that, right? I, yeah, I'm a Christian. I prayed that prayer. Uh, I, I've done all that. And my life is really no different. And that's not the life God intended. And so as we look at the rescue mission and, and we're, we're being deployed from the helicopter, we have to look. And here's our first blank. We have to hit the right target. We have to aim for the right target. There are a lot of things that grab our attention um, instead of the most important thing. And here, here's, here's a few of them. Uh, number one, we tend to look a lot at our past, don't we? Uh, even though we know we're forgiven, even though we know God has given us every tool for this life to have joy, to have peace, we tend to look at our past and say, God couldn't use me to rescue anybody. I'm, I'm barely seeing that he's rescued myself. And we bought into the lie that God won't use me because of my bad past, right? Uh, here's another one. Personality. This is the lie that God can't use me. And we say, you know, sharing your faith, be, stepping out of my comfort zone and actually opening my mouth about my Savior. Um, you know, that is, uh, that's for those, those people who are super rowdy, who are boisterous, like at an Elevation softball game. If you've ever been to one, by the way, Tomorrow night, they're playing at 6.30, 7.30, and 9. Come on out, and you will see a rowdy crowd, right? And uh, the, as a matter of fact, someone told me last weekend at Stewart Park that, uh, hey, your church is easily the rowdiest church out of all the church so- softball teams. And I thought, praise the Lord. Now we're on the right track. This, this is who God wired us to be. Um, uh, how about our position, the, the right target? Sometimes we think about our position like, I'm too important, uh, I, you know, I don't know if I could share my faith at work because if I did, um, guess what? The, I think I'd get fired or, or there'd be a lot of scrutiny or the, I would get in the news. Or some people think in the area of position, I'm not important enough. Who would listen to me? And we buy into the lie that it's a matter of importance. Here's another P. You can write it down. I know I only gave you three blanks, but I came up with two bonus ones because the P words just kept flowing. And I'm a pastor, right? And so because I'm a pastor and then it's P words and I got flowing. And I was like, you know what? There are a bunch of other things. Um, the present. The present. In other words, I'm too embarrassed of who I am now. So I don't know if I can share my faith in Christ. I don't know if I can step outside my comfort zone and, and talk to my neighbor or talk to my family because they know too much about me. They see what happens at my house. They hear the arguments out on the front lawn. I'm embarrassed about my present. Well, hey, get your present right, right? Jump on, jump on the train and start pursuing God's holiness and see that thing go. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> here's the last one. And I promise it'll be the last P for, for now, for this week. Political views. Christians get caught up in all these other targets. Yeah, the past. Oh, my personality. Oh, my position. Oh, what's happening in my life now? And political views are one of the biggest places where Christians begin to apply their faith over the most important aim and the most important thing, mission that God has for you in this life. Um, I, I use the word hit the right target 
on purpose as a play on words. Because yes, there's a target we have to hit, right? And a rescue mission. You're trying to get to a certain place. You can rescue a group of people. But here, can I tell you as Christians, I think there's this store called Target that's been in the news just a little bit over the last week or two. Maybe you've heard about it. And by the way, they have to be excited about it because I've heard it said that even bad publicity is still publicity, right? And so they have people on Facebook talking about Target, water coolers talking about Target. They have people, uh, you know, on TV, uh, Fox News, CNN, all talking about Target. And I bet the executives are going, wow, we don't have to pay for this. This is incredible, right? What's the next controversial move we can make so that people will hear our name over and over and over and over. And here's what happens. Christians get baited in to making political views the main thing. Like I'm a Christian, so it's my job to tackle every wrong in the world. Now, hear me say, I'm not saying that there are moral issues or social issues that collide with the Bible that we don't need to stand for. Hey, we're a church that believes in life. We dedicated these babies and we believe God created them, right? And that creation happens at conception and that God, uh, God intends for that baby to grow up and to not be killed. We stand for these things. Uh, we stand for other things. However, however, they cannot become the main thing. They cannot become the main thing. And, and, and here's where I'm going with this. Think about this. How many times, or how much time, let's put it in those terms, how much time have you spent talking about Target versus talking about Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ at your workplace? Wow, that's out of balance, isn't it? For the Christian, it's supposed to be different. And so it's with that thought process that we enter the scripture today in in Acts chapter 26. And here's what's going down in Acts chapter 26. Um, The apostle Paul has gotten himself in trouble for being a Christian, right? That's where he got himself in trouble. Um, And by the way, it's it's not a big secret that uh, (laughs) that people get in trouble for being a Christian. Uh, This happened to Paul People who have honored God have been getting in trouble since near the beginning of time. And so he has this opportunity, and he's before the king. Not just any king, but King Agrippa. Look at uh, Acts chapter 26 and verse 1. It says, King Agrippa said to Paul, he's standing in chains before the king. And, and by the way, <clears throat> this was the Agrippa whose grandfather tried to kill Jesus with the census, whose uh, father... I'm sorry, whose great-grandfather tried to kill Jesus, whose grandfather beheaded John the Baptist, and whose father killed uh, the first disciple martyr, James. And so this guy was ready to, to lop Paul's head off. And he's standing there in a court, if you will, and this is what happens. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 and skip over verses 22 through 29. Agrippa says, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand, And answered for himself, I think myself happy. Hey, you ready? Are you reading this? The same story I am? Here, Paul is standing with his life on the line because of his beliefs, and he wasn't worried, he wasn't scared, he wasn't upset. What was he? He was happy. Whoa, that's different. He said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning. All the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. He's setting it up. 
He's setting up a position. He says, my manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. Paul's starting to talk about his past, but he skips the past, right? He doesn't, he doesn't leave, leave the aim there in front of this king. But now he moves to his present. He says, and now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. But now Paul is about to take control here. Even though he's not in a very good position, he is about to turn the tables because who controls the conversation whenever you're talking? It's the person asking the questions. Watch what happens. He says, why should it be thought incredible by you, King Agrippa, since you know so much, that God raises the dead? Skip over to verse 22. He talks about his personal testimony and then He zeroes in on the aim that I want our church, and I believe God wants our church to zero in on uh, as we move forward out of year three into year four. Here's what he says. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Festus comes in, he came in from Rome to be a part of this trial. Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. Now Paul's aim is starting to come into play. His, his whole mission in life is starting to become clear when the pressure is the greatest. He says, For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. The resurrection wasn't a secret, was it? It wasn't some story off inside a little house that people made up. It was out for the world to see. And he says, King Agrippa, Do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Wait a second. Isn't Paul standing here on trial? Isn't he the one who should be answering the questions? No. Paul's mission overtook even the greatest rulers of of his day and of the whole world. Then Agrippa said to Paul, I love this, this line in verse 28. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you... But also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Now, if we're grabbing a hold of the idea of a rescue mission, hitting the right target, I have to be honest with you. If I had the opportunity to be in front of the president of the United States right now, and let's even say I was on trial. I think I would, I would say, hey... Tell me why you sent these troops to war. Hey, why did you make this law? Why, why is this happening? Hey, why as a pastor am I feeling pressure now for my beliefs when our country was found? I would have a million and one questions to ask the president. 
And Paul has this same opportunity. He could have asked Agrippa and Festus anything. He could have stood there. He could have defended himself. But you know what he did? He began to share the gospel because he cared about the spiritual condition of even this leader who was standing in front of him to kill him. And so what is the right aim? Write this down. The right aim is the gospel. The gospel is the right aim. That is the number one priority of every Christian is advancing the message of the gospel. The message truly matters. And I I know that some people like to say, well, that's the good news. And if you say, well, describe the gospel to me. What is the gospel? Um, I I have this paragraph I want to read to you. It's up on the screen. It's in your program. And it gives you a good idea of the description of the gospel. It's from Wycliffe Bible Translators. Here's what it says. The central truth of the gospel is that God has provided a way of salvation for men through the gift of his son to the world. He suffered as a sacrifice for sin, overcame death, and now offers a share in his triumph to all who will accept it. The gospel is good news. And it is good news, isn't it? The gospel is good news because it is a gift of God, not something that must be earned by penance or self-improvement. It is truly a gift of the Lord. And it's easy to take a different aim when you know that you are saved and, and, and that you're on the side of eternity where you get to spend eternity with God in heaven, but someone else isn't. And so God asked us to take up a rescue mission to begin having responsibility in this area of sharing the gospel and, and to begin to aim at the right target. You know what? I want to encourage you to share your faith more than you talk about a political issue according to your belief, even if your belief is biblical and right. Still, share the gospel more. It's kind of like this. Uh, When you look at the right thing, you're motivated to press through. You're motivated to work hard. How many of you ever get tired of living the Christian life, right? It can be tiring. It's like, gee, no one else around me is doing this. Why am I trying to stay on the straight and narrow? But here's what happens when we aim at the right thing, the gospel, we are motivated to work harder for the Lord and, and to, and to go into this rescue mission. So now I'm not a morning person, any nighttime people in the room who just abhor the morning. Oh, I, uh, you're 11 o'clock. There's way more of you. And I am tracking with you people. I get you. I now have a morning person as my oldest son and he loves to work out. I've shared that with you. But as we go to work out every morning, there's this, there's this great tension between me and the elliptical machine. It's the first thing we get on just to warm up. And I walk into the gym and I stare it down and I'm talking to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally taking you this morning. And it's staring back and it's saying, not today, fat boy, not today. You're going down. And and so, and if you're wondering, like, does this really take place? Yes, it does in my head. And now, you know, my head is a very dangerous place to be. And so... (laughs) so I'm staring it down and and I get on it and I start, start exercising, you know, five minutes and I'm going, Oh, 
I'm looking at Aiden. I'm like, why do you, why do you do this? Why do you wake me up? I'm not a morning person at six, six, fifteen, six thirty in the morning. We do it two, three, four times a week, depends on the week. And so I'm there and I've learned this about the elliptical machine. When I stare at the time, it is the hardest exercise I've ever done because I put the little timer on and it says 25 minutes. And it's like, I don't, I try not to look at it. Then I stare at it and I'm like, what? It's only been five minutes. It feels like I've been this thing an hour, right? Sometimes I'll stare at the distance saying, well, I wonder if I can, I ran two and a half miles last time. I wonder if I can run three miles, but the distance is no good either because it, it just is like, oh, I'm, I'm not there. I thought I'd run two miles by now and I'm only run three quarters of a mile. I don't know if I can even make this, but I found one place I could stare that motivates me to go even further. It's when I stare at the calories, when I stare at that little thing and you know, I hope that thing's right because it's, they, I think they, I think they jack it up. I think they double the number. So you're like, Oh yeah, I'll come, come back to this gym, you know? And, and, and so when I stare at the calories, I find myself staying on the elliptical machine past the time I set to stay on it to begin with. Why? Because when I see the value that, that takes place, I, it motivates me to say, you know what? No, more calories. This is doing more than I thought it could do. And when we stare at the gospel, instead of all these other aims, all the other targets in this life, when we stare at the gospel, it motivates us in our faith. It fires us up. Why? Because we begin to see people cross from death to life. People who were, who were dead in their sins, dead in their addictions, dead in their drunkenness, dead with broken marriages, dead, you know, going into college and far from God and being, being so learned that they have all these ideas that they can't surrender their life to God. And all of a sudden it shatters and breaks and they surrender because they believe. Um, all these things happen. And when we see that happening, it reminds us why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just to come and check off a box in a service. It's not just about hearing a message, but it is about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why this church exists. Are you with me this morning? That's why it exists. And, and, and I remember back in the early days, um, we, we would, we would get out and we would invite people and we would share our faith and we, people are still doing this. And I want to give a shout out to my Home Depot people. I think, I think half of Home Depot knows Jesus because of some people in our church now and, and, and you're living it. <clears throat> but you know what? There's this element as a new church where you kind of have to do that or you don't have a church. And that, that serves as a little bit of the motivation, right? Like I'm going to tell people about Jesus because we need a church and, but, but that's not the point. You see, what we have to be driven by and looking at the calorie counter or the gospel, if you will, is we have to be driven by the people we see who do not yet know Jesus. They're dying. They're going to hell. And that motivates us to step out of our comfort zone, to open our mouth about the good news of Jesus Christ, to take the right aim and to no longer hold back and worry about what's going to happen to me for being a Christian in this society. You know what will happen to you? If something happens to you, you'll get put in the news and whose name will be glorified? Jesus. That's right. And so we have to be bold in this area. And, and so what is the rescue mission? The rescue mission for every Christian is the Great Commission. You heard that? You heard that right. The rescue mission for every Christian is the Great Commission. Here's what it says. Matthew 22, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, 
I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? That's a lot of people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching these new disciples to obey. What's the next word? All. Everybody say all. To obey all the commands I've given you. This isn't really a part of the message, but I want to stop for a second. Hey, if you have a Christian in your life who stops and tells you a hard truth about your life, in other words, saying, hey, you are ruining yourself. You are ruining your walk with God. This is not godly behavior. If you, have a, if you have a Christian in your life and you are a Christian, thank God for that person instead of getting mad at them. Thank God for him because God's heart is that we learn all his ways and begin to work, walk in him. And, and that's, that's where we need to be going. And so, and then he finishes with this. He says, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And here's what the Great Commission gives us when it comes to the rescue mission. Personal responsibility. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're responsible. You are responsible for sharing the gospel. You have a responsibility. You ready for this? To know the message. Some of you say, oh, I don't know if, I, if I'm smart enough to share this. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Well, maybe you're close. Okay, you're close. Some of you are saying, I don't know if I have enough time. Some of you are saying, I don't know if, if, I'll, if I'll get fired from my job. But you have a personal responsibility to share with your friends, with your family, with um, those at work. And so, so what should be happening when we're talking about Target? Are you ready for this personal responsibility? Instead of aiming for the political views, people think, oh, we're going to change America because uh, we're, we're going to change America through our politics. No. Instead of trying to get Target to change a bathroom policy, what we should be doing is try to reach the CEO of Target with the gospel. He bends his knee to Jesus and a company has changed and God is glorified. That's what should be happening. You see, what should be happening in your life with the great commission and personal responsibility is people at your work. It doesn't matter if you're sharing up to your boss or if you're a boss sharing down to your employees. We should have this great responsibility that we wake up with every day to say, I am going to get this message out because it is the hope of the world and it's the only good news and it's the only thing that will change the world we live in. Now, some of us are, uh, are, are thinking too that we can change the world for the better, but here's the truth about what the Bible teaches and it teaches us very clearly. And I hate to be Debbie Downer. How many of you have seen that on Saturday Night Live, right? Uh, not that I watched Saturday Night Live. It was just a clip someone showed me. Um, <clears throat> but the Bible says this. The Bible says that things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. There's going to be pressure on, on Christians. If you think it's going to be easier to be a Christian, it's not going to be. It may, it may wobble up and down here and there a little bit, but by and large, it's going to get worse. But here's the good news. It gets awesome at the second coming of Jesus. And that's where he begins to rule and reign and restore what's been broken, what's been beaten, and, and what is lost. And he's going to come back and there will be a new heaven, a new earth. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus will make it all right. And so our job is not to try to make the world a better place as Christians, although 
We, it should get better when we walk in the room, right? Because we have Jesus Christ. But that shouldn't be the main thing. The main thing should be sharing the gospel and taking the Great Commission to as many people as possible so that they can experience joy in Jesus Christ. I'll ask it again. Are you with me, second service? Are you with me? That's, that's who we are. That's, that's what we have to do. And Jesus put a pressure point on the Great Commission. And I love pressure points. Uh, because it's kind of like when I tell my kids to clean the house, right? When I tell my kids to clean the house, I say, hey, hey guys, why don't you have the house clean before your mom and I come back home? We're going out. And, and they go, yeah, dad, <laughs> you got it. Sure thing. I got you covered. Every time we come back, guess what? The house is not clean. It is not clean. But I've learned this as a parent. If I say, guys, I need you to clean the house. Oh yeah, dad, you got it. And if you don't clean the house to older brothers, you will be donating $100 that I will transfer electronically into your younger brother's account uh, if this house is not clean when we show up. And they go, no, come on, dad. And I'm like, yeah, really? If the house isn't clean, you're giving your younger brothers $100 each. What do you think happens when I get home? The house is, you know, not only that, but before we leave, they're like, so tell us again, what do you need clean? Like, uh, do you need the floor? Do you need the dishes? What needs to happen? I've done things like that before. It really works. Jesus puts this pressure point and here's what it says. I know you're laughing. You're going, that must be a crazy house. And you are right. And so here's the pressure point he puts on the great commission. And I know this is not a popular opinion, but I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus is the only way. The only way. That's a pressure point on the Great Commission. Listen to the words of Jesus on John chapter 14 and verse 6. He said, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through who? Me, which is Jesus. You know, and I know this, this bends a lot of people wrong, but this is where the rescue mission starts to take shape with this statement on this pressure point. Because many of us like to think, well, what about the person who means well, who's worshiping some other God or has some other religion and they're good people? Why didn't that work? Well, hey, here's a couple reasons why it didn't work. Number one, if there were many ways to reconcile your life to God and be forgiven, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die because all the ways were already there, right? And then on the other side of the fence, we like to think that because it, it means it's easier for me to say, oh, whatever you believe will work than it is for me to step out and share my faith. Do you see what I'm saying? There's two choices in this rescue mission to pretend like they're okay and, 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 and so you don't have to do any work or to go ahead and take the responsibility to understand the pressure point Jesus put through John 14, 6 and say, I am now going to share my faith. And you know what's going to happen if you decide to take on this rescue mission? You're going to get the joy of walking in this building someday and seeing a friend of yours bow their knee to faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to see a business change. You're going to see a neighborhood change when your neighbors, boom, 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 start to come to Jesus Christ. You're going to see your family change at a family gathering. I, I, I met a family in Florida who were the first believers in their family. And little by little, they've seen their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles. And now when they go to a family gathering, it is majority Christians because they open their mouth 
and they didn't decide that it was, you believe whatever you want and I think you'll be okay. No, they recognized that Jesus commissioned us and then he told us that he's the only way, so we better start talking about it. I want to give you a few action steps to close out the service today. If you would, uh, take out, just look at your program or look up on the screen. Uh, in addition to that, I want to ask everybody if you would take out the half sheet in the program uh, that, that ev- each one of you received when you walk in. Here's the possible action steps. I want to talk about this half sheet. Um, number one, join a three-week rescue group starting today uh, or on Wednesday. So they either start tonight. That's right. And I pulled a few moms. Actually, I pulled like six moms. They said, you can start on Mother's Day because we just do lunch. Then we take a nap and then we can go. And so, uh, I don't know, your family may be different. But it does start tonight. You may say, wow, this is quick. But here's the thing. It's only how many weeks? It's only three weeks. Uh, It will end before Memorial Day. It it is going to be an easy commitment for you uh, that way. And so, if you would join a group, here's how you do that. Uh, You put your name and then tell us about your child care needs in your email And you take it out to the tables right there in the first impressions area at the 10-minute party. And uh, let us know you're coming. Um, It is completely free. (coughs) Child care is provided. And here's what you're going to learn. Tonight and Wednesday night, it's the same thing on Sunday and Wednesday. So you can either choose the Sunday track or you could choose the Wednesday track. And since they're the same thing and they meet right here at Elevation Church, you just come into the church building and then we'll break you up into your group. Um, since it's the same thing, if you have a week where you can't make a Sunday, but you can make a Wednesday, you can swap them out if you wanted to. Uh, but here's what you'll learn. Number one, you'll learn to understand the gospel. Tonight we, and Wednesday, we'll be sharing the scriptural basis for the good news of Jesus Christ so you can know the Bible. Uh, week number two, we're going to help you with your personal testimony so that you can begin to articulate to your friends and family not only the good news uh, from the scripture, but how that good news impacted your life. And then week three, we're going to teach you how to begin a conversation with someone about spiritual things and about your faith. And we're asking as many people as possible to jump on board with this. Listen, I believe the future of our church depends on this very issue. That's how important it is. And so I want to ask you to make it important. So that could be a step that you might take today. Number two, make sharing the gospel the highest priority in your life. Talk about Jesus and and his salvation more than you talk about your political leanings. Number three, pray and ask that the Lord would help you view people spiritually. When you wake up in the morning and you, and you uh, drive, I, you know, I carpool. I, I view those two boys that I, that I bring to school every other week through a spiritual lens. And we read the Bible in our car on the way to middle school. Why? Because you have to learn to view people spiritually and you're going to invest in them. Uh, and then number four, here's the last challenge for you. Make a list of people that you will share the gospel uh, with this year. And here's what I want you to do. Commit to sharing the gospel with one person a month. If you're super ambitious, share it with one person a week. Do you know what would happen in here if everyone in here shared the gospel and, and stepped out of their comfort zone with one person a month? We would see hundreds upon hundreds of people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what I know. We do it because we know that Jesus Christ loves us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we got to celebrate moms. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the babies. God, we thank you that in this world of uh, 
of shifting sand, that you are the constant. Uh, Father, help us not to be tricked or duped as Christians into getting into the lesser arguments. But Father, help us to be gospel-centered as a church. Lord, help us to see ourselves on a rescue mission. Lord, with each person we see. God, I pray and ask that you would replant in us a deep desire to see the lost come to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week as we continue the series Rescue Mission.